0: I had responsibility over um, all global DEA. You know, the job was to, to get very, very bad people off the street and hold them accountable for their criminal activity. Narcotics proceeds are more than diamond smuggling, human smuggling, sex trafficking, and arms trafficking all put together. It's just an evil thing. It's just it's power and lust for money. That's that's what that's that generates, and it's on the backs of addiction. Some of those nations have gone to really leftist governments. And some of those nations have elected, yeah, former narco guys. I've always trained my kids up to be warriors against a culture that wants to change their minds. warriors about a culture that hates their faith. Uh, warriors that, that about where they stand morally and ethically. We're in a time in our country where we have this push to feminize men, to feminize boys. The, the God's blessed me incredibly. When I look at my life, my friend, I, I couldn't have planned it this well. There's so much fear out there. I think that's what we're faced with right now. I mean, we're, there's so much fear if people speak the truth, they're going to be attacked by, you know, by the media. Well, truth is truth, right? If there's no right or wrong, then one in one can equal three. And if one in one can equal three, how do we build a straight road? How do we build a solid house? You're a man living in the modern world in a time when men and manhood are not what they once were. You live life on your own terms. You're self-sufficient. You think for yourself, and you march to the beat of your own drum. When life knocks you down, you get back up, because in your gut, you know that's what men do. You're a badass and a warrior, and on the days when you forget, we are here to remind you who you really are.
1: Welcome to Sovereign Man Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Ballou. Um, We've got a great guest lined up for you today. Uh, Jimmy Capra is the former Chief of Global Operations of the Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, in the United States. Um, he's been a man who's also been out there since his retirement, speaking, talking about teamwork. Um, He's been a warrior out there in the world, but he's been a warrior that's come from a space of love. And I wanted to have him come on the show today to talk about men as protector. Welcome to the show, Jimmy.
0: Thank you, brother. I appreciate being on again. I really do. Thank you so much. Yeah, my pleasure.
1: So, Jimmy, just for the benefit of the folks listening to this show, tell us your backstory. Tell us how you got involved in um, the DEA and, you know, rose through the ranks the way that you did.
0: Yeah, well, I'm like uh, I'm one of those guys that barely got out of high school, went into the military, which was great for me, and um, after serving on active duty, went to college, and then really had a desire, uh, you know, to, to go into law enforcement, and I I found out about DEA. It was, uh, you know, as a young man, it was it was a dangerous um, career field, a professional dealing with really. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the worst of the worst out there. And I was fortunate uh, to get hired in, in Manhattan and um, um, married uh, a few years early, had married my wife and boom, we took off and been stationed uh, all over the, the country. Did some of the, uh, was fortunate enough to work with some of the, just the best men and women and did some really tremendous uh, cases. And then I was fortunate to, been promoted to a supervisor and then to a mid-level and uh, worked for an administrator um, who, who uh, saw something in me and uh, liked it and uh, was promoted a few more times. Uh, we ran the office here in Dallas and then um, uh, got called back to headquarters to be the chief of global operations for DEA over, and that was over a course of just under 30 years. So um uh, we drug my wife and my six kids all over the country and uh, uh, early on didn't spend a whole lot of time at home. Unfortunately, like my wife would say, you know, when we were meeting people. He wasn't, a, he wasn't home a lot then, but, uh, um, uh, but yeah, it was been a great, great career. And uh, when I retired, we, we prayed about uh, getting out writing. So we've been writing and traveling around the country speaking and it's uh, we've uh, we've been sharing our experiences with other people.
1: So, Talk about what what does being chief of global operations actually mean? Just so people can understand.
0: So yeah, it's a fancy yeah fancy title, but it's basically there are two other people ahead of me: the administrator who ran the OITC and the deputy administrator. They're two political positions, uh, presidential appointed positions, and my position was I had responsibility over um, all global DEA. So we have uh, uh, you know all, all the offices domestically. And all the international offices. But I think we were at sixty something offices in eighty something countries. So all that kind of responsibility was on me. But we have a staff. It wasn't just me working all that. You know, you have a staff of tremendous men and women. uh was very very fortunate who had the helm of so leadership. You oversee all the offices and all the operations that are all running the, those all offices. All the domestic right and all the domestic offices and all the international offices. And so most of the operations that come to your attention are really you know, international operations. Like when we were chasing Chapo around the country, when he escaped, uh, we did some huge, un- not, you know, I oversaw some huge undercover operations in the international arena uh, done by men and women and with the help of our international partners. So, um, and and some things, you know, uh, then we had responsibility for both classified and unclassified projects. So, yeah. um, you know, some of the things that we do with our partners um, uh, domestically and overseas are, are, are not talked about a lot. Um, it's not, you know, it's not I spy stuff. It's just, it just isn't. But, uh, you know, the job was to to get very, very bad people off the street, uh, and hold them accountable for their criminal activity. You you helped get Chapo. Oh, our, our crews did. Yeah. So our, our, um, I remember getting a call, uh, that he had escaped through a tunnel and then was in uh Mexico kind of watched right? the video that our guys were sending. Yeah, and then got a call from our guys who with the Mexican Marines, who were just an amazing uh group of individuals. And I got a call that they had him pinned down in a uh in a hotel. And uh um and I I, I thought I was anticipating them telling me, well, we, we had to shoot and kill him, but the, the um he gave up. And uh a lot of credit to our people, not just DEA, but all bunch of other agencies, the FBI and Homeland Security and you name it. Uh, was working with us as long as well as our Mexican counterpart. So um, it really was one of those combined, you know, combined efforts. So pre- pretty cool stuff. And then he's, I think he's on the run again, isn't he? Or maybe we got him again. So. Um, isn't, he, he's in,
1: isn't he in Supermax?
0: Yeah, yeah I, I believe he is. He, you know, the, the the problem I always tell people, you know, in, in the narcotic business is it generates billions of dollars and that money destabilizes whole nations. And uh, and it also is the linchpin to corruption. So in some states, uh, some nation states uh, that that have issues, it's it's an easy way for criminals to get out of jail. So um but, but I, he's I, in I, the states
1: I, now right i mean he's in the supermax prison in colorado yeah i believe
0: man? so i i you know i believe that he is i still get every now and then get emails from some of the some of the crew that's still out there on the streets working so um yeah yeah Good. so he's just one of many uh i would you know describe him as a very very you know people making him out to be a hero he said was a very evil guy killed personally hundreds of people so well,
1: you know, I, I saw that um, show on Netflix about the man, uh, the one that's in Spanish, you know, with English subtitles. And yeah. the, the, there was a scene in there that apparently is true, because I looked up on it, where he had his first tunnel built, and he had a bunch of, like, poor Mexican workers who built yeah. the tunnel, and he killed all of them.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's, listen, man, he, he uh, this is a guy who was notorious about killing men, women, and children. He had no regard for anything, so uh i mean honestly you talk about he's the personification of evil he is one of a number of bad guys out there that just no no regard his regard is for money and he would uh, kill anybody including his family members they got in the way of doing that so uh but yeah very corrupt very evil the best way i can describe it is very evil individual so um
1: you know l- l- let's talk about what does it take to catch someone like that because like you said he's got billions of dollars at his disposal right he's got he's got uh probably local uh mexican uh state governors you know maybe even some some local officials in the united states uh and, and even at the highest levels of the federal government he's got people that are beholden to him so how do you get a guy like that how, how did you yeah. get chapo
0: so we have tools available to us, legal tools that are available to us that we exercise and, and, and utilize across the government. Uh, we work with you know our partners and other federal agencies to assist us uh, in locating him. We have a bunch of tools without saying what they are. They're, they're legal tools. We work with the United States Attorney's Office, uh, the Department of Justice. I know they're getting banged up recently, but we have these relationships with our partners who are the prosecutors who... Uh, allow us to get us warrants to do a variety of different things from uh, wiretaps to uh, using tools that are that are are not common tools that law enforcement use maybe domestically and those are all we use those legal means to do our best to uncover where. We're. So I, and plus to be you know we we work with our international partners and have had to develop these fostering relationships knowing full well that you know there you know corruption sometimes is a, a problem you know is problematic but we do our best to kind of circumvent that and to work with men and women that we call vetted so they've been they've been uh, but, but, but poly- hold on a sec ten- this guy was in Mexico he wasn't in the United States so no. how mm-hmm. do you catch a guy like that in Mexico yeah well, yeah you know you like i said you you work with your international partners and and he's reaching out to a variety of people the 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 neat thing is when when he starts using his electronic devices there are legal means where we can track those and it's just finding out how he's holding them and and where he's holding them and if he's holding them so and he's no he's no stranger to you know to the to the ways and means of getting around some of this stuff so you got to be diligent it's you know, it takes it. It takes a long time, and it takes our ability to develop these kind of relationships that we have with our international partners, uh, because we don't work independently.
1: So you you're relying Mexico on like country. you're relying on we,
0: things like we, uh, like technology, but
1: you're also are you you're also dealing with people who are like you know. I'm not going to ask you to give up anything, right? But I mean, you, you probably have some sort of intelligence network, human intelligence that gets you good answers about things like we that. Do. Right?
0: We do. We do. We actually do. We rely on that. We rely, we rely on, on on people, you know, people on the ground and we rely on uh, informants, but we also rely on the intelligent capabilities of not only within the U.S. government, but like I said, within the international agencies as well. That help you know they help provide too so again we we don't operate independently in any nation it makes for a good movie but but that you know that doesn't it's happen it's not a reality a no there's a bunch of treatings, and that's why establishing these relationships like our guys and gals are stationed in places where entire governments are corrupt and i'm not saying mexico has come, has come a long way i i think of colombia when i first came on we used to say we'd never work for Colombia. Colombia is now is this thriving uh, um, uh, a republic that their their narcotic cops are now traveling the world teaching other narcotic cops about best practices. But they've come along. They've come a long way, and hundreds, if not thousands, have been killed by traffickers over the last twenty and thirty years. So it, it's taken a while. But they're some of our biggest partners in South America.
1: Is Colombia still dealing with uh, narcotic traffickers at the same level that they were dealing with in the 80s yeah, and 90s? Yeah, they
0: are. Well, that, Most all of South America, you know, some of the Colombia, Bolivia, Peru, Venezuela, um, you name it, they've all got, you know, especially as those nations, the sad part is if we're keeping an eye on this, some of those nations have gone to really leftist, you know, uh, governments. They have. And some of those nations have elected, yeah, former narco guys. Yeah, which which is really kind of problematic. And and, and it's because it's money. It's that that money that money produces the kind of corruption that's, you know, we're talking about B, billions of dollars. Narcotics proceeds are more than diamond smuggling, human smuggling, sex trafficking and arms trafficking all put together. So if you are if you. If you are an organization that wants to make money, like most of the terrorist organizations, they are involved in some type of drug traffic. It's the fastest way to make money. Matter of fact, half of the known terrorist organizations uh, around the world are connected, or if not both connected, or have their hands in drug trafficking. So no kidding. Crazy. So so <laughs> Colombia,
1: I mean, you know, you don't hear as much about Colombia uh, since folks like uh, Pablo Escobar, the Medellin, and the Cali cartel guys got taken yeah. down. So those organizations are still around?
0: So Yeah, no, but so the Cali, the Medellin, North Coast cartels, all of those are gone. Now, there are independent, you know, traffickers down there that have gotten smart. You don't you don't hear most of the drug trade that you hear about in the United States is done by Mexican drug trafficking organizations. They still get their dope, you know, their their. Uh, their cocaine from South and Central America. That's still coming up through there from a bunch of independents. But the day of the the, the large scale cartels are gone, in Mexico the, the 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 very scary thing in Mexico is their new generation cartel that's down there. If you see any pictures of them, they, they're a standing army. They're literally uniformly dressed. They have military grade weapons and vehicles and everything. And and quite frankly, they've gone into a narco terrorist group, and they are a national security threat, I believe, to the United States and to Mexico. And they are flaunt themselves in, in places. Well, yeah. They control some of the border, a lot of the border, and they control some states within Mexico. And it's a scary, it's a scary thing. And I don't think we've gotten around to. A few states have, but from our nation, we have not. Uh, we have not done enough to address that.
1: Well, last night, Donald Trump announced that he was running for president again. And um, I listened to part of his speech, and one of the things he talked about is that he was going to designate the cartels as uh, terrorist organizations, and he was going to use all the the uh, tools available if he becomes president yeah. to go after those guys and crush them. He basically said he's going to wipe them out like he wiped out ISIS. And you know you may like trump you may not like trump but there's no question that the man kept his freaking promises you know what i'm saying
0: yeah and and, and it's true they they they've continued to grow uh despite what the mexican um, government is is doing uh, and again they they've suffered tremendous losses with their federal law enforcement their military um but they're but they're now faced with a a tremendous uh, adversary in this cartel that is now that looks like a military so when you see pictures of this kind of I think it's new generation um it, it's frightening you think you're looking at a at, you know at some arm, army out of uh Central America it's in Mexico and so and then some of the firefights that are caught on video are you, it's it's a war it's a kind of a war zone wow and so uh, how they're funding that is, is through those narco dollars and they're getting weapons from a lot of places around the globe, including some weapons that are leaving the United States to go down there.
1: Hmm.
0: So it's crazy. Um, <laughs> it's crazy, it's crazy, and it's gotten. Well, we've made a lot of headway. Uh, it, you know, it's, it, it's still. Uh, it's just an evil thing. It's just it's power and lust for money. That's that's what that's that generates, the drug trade. Power and lust for money, and it's on the backs of addiction of men and women who are addicted to this junk so it's pretty you know it's pretty sad if you take a look at the you know the fentanyl crisis fentanyl's been around for a long time it's been used medically you know uh uh, for pain you've heard fentanyl patches and all the other stuff well uh, uh most of the precursors and everything are coming out of china they're going to mexico it's produced in mexico and comes across the border and it's killing our people it's literally it, it's literally what, what's happening is our, our young men and women and not so young are being murdered is what's happening. So they go online. You know, this is the great thing about the Internet, right? Go online and some kid sees on, a on, you know, so maybe the dark web or somewhere else. Well, he thinks he's buying his Xanax and he comes, it gets picked up and it's a fentanyl pill. And what will kill you, fentanyl, if you take a if you take a pencil and sharpen it, if you put a little bit of fentanyl on the tip of a pencil, that's what will kill you. So these kids think they're taking a Xanax or something else, and they pop it, and in about you know twenty minutes later, they're they're, they're dead. Because fentanyl's a, a a central nervous system, de- you know, depressant. So what happens is the brain says, "Okay, stop breathing," and and boom. And so one hundred and ten thousand. When I when I testified, I know we're I know we're supposed to be talking about manhood or anything. But you, you got that? No, into this is good. Health. This is important for and men I, to know. When I when I in two thousand fourteen. I testified before the senate never forget it between grassley and feinstein and and uh we're supposed to be testifying because at the time we had a hundred had a hundred of our guys in afghanistan doing counter narcotics work with the military and so the question came that grassley asked a question he went left and said what do i think about you know the drug legalization in our country and uh I, i i told both feinstein and grassley i said it's reckless and irresponsible absolutely i said we're gonna you're gonna go down this road and in five years, you're going to come back to our agency and say, oh, my gosh, how did we get here? I said, that's what's going on. Well, you you thought I slapped Mother Teresa because I got called into the Department of Justice and was told that I had to be careful about how I testified. About a month later, going into my boss's office, uh, she, told, she told me she just got a call and said how I embarrassed the then president, which was uh, President Obama and the attorney general, because how I testified. But you can't you, you're either going to tell the truth or you're not. Yeah. So you, you've got it after almost 30 years, you're going to tell me that it's not. And so at the time we lost 40,000, 2014, there was about 40,000 men and women who lose to drug overdoses. We're now eight years later at 110,000. So it's, you know, you, you know, you do the math and it's not, it's not about, you know, it's about uh, 40% is fentanyl. The other 60% is from a whole host of other drugs, heroin and a bunch of other stuff that's out there. So, and I think the our biggest reason why we have this, I'm just gonna say I've, I've been doing this a long time and I've had to fight so many people from the marijuana legalizers. You got states that have legalized marijuana, and now they're doing the CB. It's all garbage. Marijuana is the only illicit drug that we voted was gonna be a medicine. We we voted on it. It's it's the craziest thing in the world. We voted on it that's a medicine. Okay, it's a medicine. And and we have we have uh, you know, Vince and Brad opening a shop, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're going and by and saying, hey, I don't know anybody who has stage four colon cancer, you know, who goes to a medical marijuana shop and says, I, I need, this is going to help me out. That's, that's where we're at right now. And so the perception of the harm of drugs is decreased in our country. And when the perception of harm decreases, use and abuse always goes up. And that's where we're at right now. And it's going to continue to do that so long as legislators continue to pass laws. Uh, Colorado is passing a law, that uh, psilocybic mushrooms, right? The psilocybic mushrooms, uh, which is a hallucinogenic, are, are going to be legal. Oregon is passing, pastors passed a law to decriminalize small amounts of all drugs. And we wonder why Oregon has a problem. We wonder why uh, uh, Colorado has a problem. New York has passed legislation. We're, here in Texas, um, we're, we're allowing these CBD shops. So I go, you know, elections have consequences. Loss have consequences. Uh, people think, ah, oh, you know, it's not going to. It's, it's, you know, people are adults and uh, they'll be able to handle it. Well, guess what? It's, it's. Um, I'm sorry. It's, it's targeted to the youth. It's, it's tragic, you know. And it's not about putting, you know, men, men and women of color in jail. That's one of the other things. It's not it's racist. It's not about that. It's about how do you want our country to look? And and look how we're doing so far. Hundred ten thousand overdose deaths. Addiction rates are up. You know that the addiction rates for marijuana are skyrocketing. People say, "What are you talking about?" There are there are thousands of men and women, mostly young, that are in rehab centers for marijuana. It's it's incredible. And 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 we've warned not just not just the guys and gals that were serving the country as agents and officers, but but the healthcare people have been saying, "Hey, man, this is not a good thing. know, this is not a so you know so here we are. You know here here we are." I had a friend who um,
1: she, she had, uh, she had cancer and she ended up passing away from it and she was using medical marijuana and look, Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about it. I don't do drugs. I've never done drugs. I think drugs are evil. Two of my uncles died from drug overdoses back in Iran. Uh, I have no interest in drugs myself. uh, And um, you know, I'm concerned that my sons will get caught up in it uh, uh, because that's the world that we live in these days. But um the world the the world of drugs and and, and and medical use of marijuana and all that crap is something that's around and i i think it's i think it's messed up that people do drugs marijuana yeah. stinks there's a lot of people who smoke it you know legally yeah. out in the street you can smell it out yeah. there i think little kids are smoking it. i think it's bullshit yeah
0: yeah it's funny that that you know i always use colorado I my my uh, one of my sons went to the air force academy so we were constantly up there visiting. As a matter of fact, one of my close friends ran the office up there and uh, was an out, you know, proponent of, against the marijuana stuff. And the, and the so-called uh, peaceful marijuana guys, you know, attacked his home, broke into uh, cyber attacked his computer. Uh, he had to he had to, you know, was threatened his family. These are all the peaceful medical marijuana people. Of course, this is years ago, but. Uh, again, the, 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 this whole thing is about making money. It has, listen no, now that now that uh, recreational marijuana is is I think passed in in Colorado. Nobody hears about the poor sick people anymore. So I want to go listen. How many? How are all the sick people doing that are smoking weed? In Texas, I testified here in Texas some years ago, and they were coming out and said, "Well, it's got we got to help all the seizing babies." And, I'm like, and people guess we got to help the seizing babies. I said, "Are you in your freaking minds?" What what do you mean? So how do you know the difference between getting a baby intoxicated or is it having a neurological impact? And then I do this. I said, listen, I didn't go to medical school. Why don't you have the medical experts come here? Why don't you have them sit down? You won't find, with the exception of a few doctors out there who believe that their patients should be allowed to have anything they want for their pain. Maybe that's right. I don't don't know. But what we've done is just said, we're going to open it up to everybody. and, And that's the problem we have. That, that's the, that's the yeah. reality. Wow. And as a parent, now that here's where we start sliding it. And as a parent, as a man, we got to decide, okay, how, how am I going to raise up my kids? I would have people tell me, Nikki says, well, um, your kid's probably not involved in, in dope because you were, you're, you a narcotics cop. I said, let me tell you something. How many friends I have who were law enforcement officers who have taken their kids to rehab. I said, kids, kids will make a decision. They got, they make decisions. And the problem with being young is you're stupid. Yeah, <laughs> and so you <laughs> if you're not, sometimes if you're not poor, and even if you pour into them, they st- they still can make a decision. I we're in our own family, it I'm, doesn't I'm, matter I'm what what
1: you, you do. They got to make up their own mind. Yeah. They got to think they for themselves, and they will, do, and they will. Yeah,
0: you do your best you can. You know, people you know always ask you do your best you can. My my middle son, I, I told you this before. Most all of my children have taken up lives in public service, military, law enforcement, federal, state. Local, I have a daughter who's um she's not an HR for the Air Force, but she's in music ministry with her with her husband. And my middle son came up to to me one day, he was a SWAT officer here in North Texas, he's now a federal agent. And he and he sat, he dad goes, goes, What's what's wrong with my generation? And I just said, Well, Marky, I we started just talking. He's a sharp kid, he's been through a lot, seen a lot. And so I went to my wife, and this is getting on the whole with kids. I got went to my wife, and I said, "What? Well, what would you think about if we wrote our story?" And she said, well, "What are you talking about?" I said, "What would you think about if we wrote our story about raising six kids?" I pulled you guys. We, my wife and I, moved about fourteen or fifteen times since we've been married, and that's going on forty years. We've, we've uh, I met her. I think I asked her to marry me forty-two years ago, and so she said, "Yeah." So we wrote this. Uh, because I, would, I wrote, we wrote this book together called "Raising Courageous Children in a Cowardly Culture," and we talk about, you know, the drug issues. We talk about the challenges that parents have, of porn, and we talk about what it takes to to develop men who, who are, are not afraid to be men. Who I would I've always trained my kids up to be warriors. And people go, "Oh, what? What are you talking about?" No, to be warriors, against, warriors, of, you know, against a culture that wants to change their minds. Worries about a culture that hates their faith. Uh, warriors that that about where they stand morally and ethically. Uh, um, um, warriors about their country and how to to live in this country is the greatest thing. And it's that's constantly pouring into them. That's constantly talking to them. That's constantly engaging with them about those you know those issues. And and a few of my kids have had a little bit more adversity than others. They 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 didn't get involved in dope. Nobody got arrested. You know they could have. They, they could have. I sent them off. To, you know, my sons all went to military academies. My daughters all went to different colleges. Uh, my oldest daughter went to probably one of the more liberal schools in the entire country. And uh, I can say this because I wrote about it and she gave me permission to do it. And she came back to us a freaking mess, an, an absolute mess, physically, psychologically, spiritually, a mess. She came back to us. And in, and in short order, she got her life back on track and we poured into her and and boom. The next thing you know, I, you know, I, I asked her one, I, I asked her one night, you know, what, you know, you got to start thinking about where the good Lord wants you to go. And she said, daddy, all I've ever wanted to be is a police officer, which shocked me. I didn't know that. And so, so she was the first one in the family that became the oldest, became police, met, met her husband who was a police officer. So it, it, you know, it, it never stops. You know, those things never, never stop because we're I, we're in a time in our country where we have this push to feminize men. Yep. We, we have this push to feminize boys. We have this push it's ridiculous. to say that boys and, boys and girls are equal. They're the same. They're and They're not, not biologically. They're not the same. They're not the in, same. Our country, in our country, the Constitution looks at them as the same in terms of their rights. Yep. But biologically, they're not the same. Right. I, I tell people all the time I said men were you know, men it takes us a little bit longer to grow up. My wife is the brains of the outfit. I, I'm so glad about that. She is the brains of the outfit. Uh, and'm I'm, I'm good i'm I'm good with that. but uh, um, but the whole idea that men should be, you know men should should be feminized and some or that masculinity is somehow toxic is ridiculous. It's ridiculous, It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You know, it's so, ridiculous,
1: But it's, it's a forces okay. of darkness are trying to force that upon us because they want to destroy the type of 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 freedom and the type of nation that we have over here. And for the last hundred years, yeah. they've been able to march through our institutions pretty much unimpeded. Um, and yeah. we're now finally at the at, at the stage where we're either going to do something about it. Or we're going to lose everything good about not just America, but all of the West, all of the freedom loving parts of the world. And it, it's. I'm really glad that our conversation's taken the turn that it has because I think it makes it a more valuable conversation than it, it would be otherwise. So, here, here's a question I got to ask you. I mean, listen, you were chief of global operations at the DA. You were involved in things like getting people like Chapo uh, arrested, Chasing Chapo. Man, that's a great title for a book. Why haven't you um, written all that out in books and put yourself out there to talk about
0: that sort of thing? So, here's why. Uh, and I get asked that all the time. I, 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 um, because there's so many guys and gals out there that are actually that are they're doing. Two of my, two, I have two close friends. Um, you ever see a show on Netflix called Narcos? Yeah, it's called it's called Narcos. Okay, both of those guys are good friends of mine. Both of those guys are the real deal. They were there, uh, in South America. They they were there. Now they'll tell you, especially uh, my buddy Steve Murphy will tell you. He goes, listen, they stuck to. They, they stuck to the storyline, but a lot of it's made up because it's Hollywood. You know, a lot, there are a lot of, of things that they did in the movie that, you know, that didn't happen, but there's so much out there about, you know, there I was, you know, there are, this is who I was, there I was, there I was, there I was, I did, um, I was fortunate to still, my crew and I, in 1989, I was a young agent and my partner on the street, Bill Sherman, uh, were chasing tractor trails around and we wound up uh, doing an investigation, uh, uh that literally we seized 21 tons of cocaine in a warehouse and over 13 million dollars and took down an entire um, um mexican cartel group it took six years to finish up it was great it was great but i can't tell you how many people since that because you can't write when you're on the job you know have have ran and took that and said they did it or who did it i, I just don't have the, you know i don't have the time i get asked sometimes to do that but my, where my heart where my heart is nikki because I all day long would talk stories, but I'd be one of the other guys out there I was, you know, if it wasn't for me. I, I just the, the God's blessed me incredibly. If when I look at my life, my friend, I, I couldn't have planned it this well. I could, I could not have planned it this well. That's why when you and I were talking the other day, I, I I said, listen, if 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 I never speak another another, if I never get another speaking engagement, I'm good, man. God's blessed me. He continues to bless my family, my wife, my I, I, I look around and I go, because every now and then you go, ah, you know, by now I should have been speaking to thousands of people. But, and I got, I realized I have a good friend of mine, his accountability brother, who goes, think about the time that you had with family, with my grandchildren, all this other stuff. So he asked me, why I haven't I written those things? I, I'm not, you know, I, I know it's good for movie stuff and I've, I've sent a few things up for people to look at, but, you know, my, my heart is really speaking to, to men. Uh, about issues, to speak into groups about leadership, to speak into people about family issues. I understand. I understand. But you got to understand this, Jimmy.
1: Facts tell, stories sell. People, yeah, I, human yeah. beings, uh, uh, we connect with the I experience know. of story. Okay. When you uh, tell your stories, it ain't about you, it's about getting uh, those people to connect to the shared experience of being human, brother. That's why yeah. we love the best movies in Hollywood. You're not watching yeah. Rocky because, you know, you're going, oh, what a great guy Rocky is. You're watching Rocky because there's a thing about Rocky that's in yeah. you. And you you get to connect with it. You get to have that experience of shared humanity. Now, I'm not telling you to go write movies. I'm just telling you, you got a oh, whole bunch of good stories to talk about. No. And you're crazy <laughs> not to put it out there ah. because you can bring those stories and utilize those stories to do the type of speaking that you want anyways, because folks are going to be interested in hearing that yeah. from you. Listen,
0: yeah.
1: I'm going to tell you this. I like this, this podcast way better than the other one we did. And I like the other <laughs> one that we did. But I like this one better because your passion came out for some real issues. And you told me some stories. And I connected to those. And I think my listeners yeah. are, you know, different audiences for the two shows. But my listeners who are going to listen to this show. They're going to go, wow, damn this dude's great, Nikki, bring him back, which I'll bring you back, we'll talk about more <laughs> stories, but Jimmy, well, truth listen, is I truth, do this you know? for a living, man, she'll listen to me, I know what I'm talking about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, truth is truth, right, that's the, that's the thing, you can't, you know, there, there's so much BS out there, but, the, you know, when you start sharing with people what the what the truth is, it's a funny thing, you know, with the whole drug issue here in the United States, I tell, I say this all the time, you know, it's uh, I'm, I'm unashamed of my faith. I said, you know, you know, you know, when light comes, came into the world and men love darkness and it's, you see it with the whole drug culture thing in our country. It's like, you, you can have scientists standing up and say, listen, this is bad for us. And people, no, no, it's going to be fine. If people looking at the camera and, and fine, my, I, I was attacked. no big deal, you know, on, on media and stuff. Uh, and, and then national media was attacked after I, uh, you know, testified uh some guy was really made made light of it and you know thought i was over you know, overly dramatic and all the other stuff I just go, ah. and then He's some
1: dumbass like, a journalist who cares what he thinks <laughs> yeah,
0: no exactly and my kids would get so annoyed because i've written some some op-eds and some other things and of course you know it, it, you have keyboard cowards that get on there keyboard and, you know, cowards
1: like, oh, baby no write that don't down read, that's good
0: yeah don't read that crap dad they said this about you so what do you want to be Want to go beat them up is it they're, they're idiots yeah. I, I know. I know. I have a good friend of mine. We retired within a couple of years of each other said this same thing is, you know, you really, you really should write a few of those things down. I, said, well, I actually have them all written down. It's just a matter of doing some stuff. But, but anyway, so, yeah, so it's, I, I think the, you know, and all this stuff, when we talk about toxic leadership, the biggest thing is, is um, how that impacted my wife and I raising our children, not to be afraid there's so much fear out there I think that's what we're faced with right now I mean we're, there's so much fear if people speak the truth they're going to be attacked by you know by the media we have we have pastors that have remained silent for so long because they've been threatened that they're going to take their 501c away from them uh, little be threatened if you say anything about this issue you know this is what's going to happen and and now we're faced with because I'm I'm pretty confident we've you know, people voters, U.S. citizens have remained too quiet, and our churches have remained too quiet about a whole lot of issues. And we've allowed we've allowed a small minority uh, that that radical left start to redefine manhood, start to redefine you know uh, uh, um, how to raise children, start to redefine what you know we 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 got into uh, moral relativism. So and we got into what my truth is may not be your truth. What, what are you talking what about? Is my truth. There my, is only the truth. Let me tell you something. When I was faced with this whole crap about moral relativism and stuff, and and I was my wife, and she's a, a math major and a computer science major. She has a those are her that's her degrees. Brilliant. And she says, you know, honey, if there, because I, I posit a lot of times, is there a right or wrong? And for, for instance, so I would say this all the time, is there's a right or wrong? And she's watched me speak a couple of times, but she's smarter than I am. She goes, you know, honey, goes, if there is no if there's no right or wrong, then one in one can equal three. And if one in one can equal three, how do we build a straight road? How do we build a solid house? I say, dang on, you're smart. You should be doing this stuff. But let me give you, let me give you an example. I got asked to go speak at an event on Texas AM, a leadership thing, for, for these upcoming young men and women who were top of the line in their schools. About a thousand of them and everything, and I opened up with this. I said, and that's just what I said. I said, "Is there a right and wrong?" That's how I opened it up. Nikki, you could hear a pin drop. They were looking at each other. Nobody was sure how to respond. They, they, they. I was. There was a palpable uh, um, silence in that in that auditorium. And then I did this. I said, "Is it okay to punch a baby, a newborn baby, in the face?" Holy crap, they all started screaming. How could you say that? Everything else? I said, well, then is there a right or wrong? Of course there is. But but we're we've sat back for too long and didn't push back about this craziness that's out that that there is no right or wrong. Well, if there is no right or wrong, then the kid that just shot three UVA football guys and it's it's okay. It's just his opinion. There's no right or wrong. What are we gonna do? Why should we arrest him? Listen, you know, I'm
1: gonna repeat this to you again, brother. You're going to get this message out in a bigger way if you write those stories, and you got to you got to really hear me. I know you don't want to hear me, but I'm telling you, you're going to get this message out in a well, bigger way if you start telling those. Well, stories you'll, yeah, right.
0: well you yeah. Well, I actually sent you all my books, so some of those are in the books themselves. So, Jason Chappell, baby, Jason
1: Chappell, <laughs> books <laughs> like that. That's what I'm talking about,
0: and let the message come
1: in underneath the story. Anyway, Uh,
0: you're good. No, Jimmy, this has (laughs) been a really
1: great show. I tell you what, I'm going to have you come back on this show. We'll do a longer episode. We'll get into this stuff because I really like what you're doing, but we got to, we got to wrap up today. I really appreciate you taking the time to come here, brother. Appreciate you coming on my other show. You're a good man and more men need to hear your message. Um, God bless you, man. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah. We'll talk more. Okay, brother. Yeah, man. Take care, man. Catch you on the flip side, my man. (laughs) All right, brother. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Man Podcast. If you're ready to take charge of your life and become the man you've always wanted to be, we invite you to join the movement at SovereignMan.ca.